Today on episode 14 of the High Performance Leadership Podcast, Steve Weinstein. It's really easy for people to complain and bring you a problem. At the end of the day, when somebody brings me a solution, that's when I start seeing their leadership abilities. You're listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast, insights and information from world-class leadership experts. Today, I'm, I'm very excited because in my career, I've been formed by several people and leaders that were very influential to me, and I consider Steve Weinstein one of the most influential leaders that I've had the pleasure to be around. When I knew him, he was the news director at KGRH in Tulsa TV station, and he hired me as a photographer, cameraman at the news station, and he's since gone on to do bigger and better things, and I'm always uh, interested to hear what he's doing, and I'll let him tell a little bit more about himself. So, Steve, kind of give us a rundown of who you are. By the way, thanks for the kind words, Randy. Um, you know, Randy's one of the people that I, I've been fortunate to work with. You know, I don't know for those that follow this. You know, Randy. Randy was in the military, and I have a uh, a really. It's not even a soft spot for the military, but you know, I just think it's really important to you know look at our highly trained veterans and give them opportunities. It's something I've I've always felt strongly about. I've worked with a lot of great veterans in my career, uh, even when I wasn't in a leadership position. So I know how important it is uh, to them and, and to our country. So I always truly mean, you know, thank you for your service. I know it's it's very, very difficult to be from away from your family for a really long period of time. But um, I started off as a, uh, a commercial production photographer uh, shooting video uh, in Baltimore uh, when I graduated from the Uni- University of Florida. I worked with clients. I, uh, you know, I shot commercials. Uh, I did a lot of grunt work. Um, I got coffee. Uh, I did <laughs> Every menial job you could possibly do for fourteen thousand dollars a year. Uh, I parlayed that into um, I, I directed. My next job was directing and uh, like a magazine show. I shot and edited also. I did that for about four years when the economy was rough. Um, and then I went back to uh, my station WBFF in Baltimore as a news photographer when they started a newscast. And that's where I really. Um, started to really learn about uh, leadership and storytelling, right? Um, a lot of times you'll, you'll see that in, in, in our business. You'll see um, a lot of leaders are really good storytellers. And I don't mean that, you know, I tell tales, um, but I think in order to motivate people, to inspire people, you have to uh, be experiential and, and um, move people along in a story that has a good beginning, a middle, and an end, which, again, I know Randy knows really well from being a photojournalist and an MMJ. So that's where I started. I became chief photographer there. And then I think I mastered that role pretty well. I had a staff of 10. Again, no leadership training, but you know, I always kind of went under the tenant that I would do anything, I would work with anybody, and then and I wouldn't ask anybody to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. And it was pretty simple. You know, I mean, it's not a it's not not a very complex concept, but you know, and I think I've told Randy this before. You know, you can be a complainer or you can be a doer. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would hear the other photographers complain, mm-hmm. and I said I, I would always say, well, instead of complaining, why don't you just do something about it? You know, <laughs> and not knowing that that was a leadership 
style. You inspire people when you do things like that. And so, you know, I kind of got a following. I got a name in Baltimore. I won a lot of uh, photojournalism awards in Baltimore. And that's when the script station, WMAR, reached out to me to be, to be their news operations manager. And then from there, it kind of went went over the moon, worked, um, you know, the Muhammad and Malvo trials, the DC sniper trials, um, did a lot of production for that, uh, did a lot of coverage for that. Um, at WMAR, we had a hurricane, did a lot of coverage for our company for that. And then they moved me to be a news director in Tulsa where, you know, I met Randy. So, um, and then since then, um, been promoted to uh, general manager positions in Bakersfield, California, and now in Cleveland, Ohio. So I've done every job in a television station, honestly, except produce a newscast. <laughs> so when I ask somebody to do something, I kind of know where they come from. Um, you know, I know, I know Randy knows that, you know, I mean, I know how hard it is and I know how easy it is some days, you know. And so, you know, I try to, to keep that in mind. And I like to think that I'm the same person that I was when I was shooting, you know, uh, be conversational with folks and, um, uh, you know, try to be a chameleon. You know, you have to act. You don't act the same in front of everybody. You kind of act a little bit differently for whoever your audience is. So that, I think that's kind of me. You know, have you ever been through any formalized leadership development uh, process or has this been a trial and error through getting to know people and working with them and kind of innate or is yeah. it more formal? It's a little bit, it's a little bit of both for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, life experiences or, fo- you know, journalist experiences really shape the way I am. But, you know, even before we got on, I was telling Randy, you know, what I've kind of learned through my leadership training is, you know, there are five leadership principles, you know, um, inspiring a shared vision and challenging the process. And this is, you know, a book by, um, I think, Kutzenson Posner. That was the, 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 the actual training that I went through. But, but for me, it's just about learning through my experiences and asking people to bring me solutions instead of bringing me problems. Mm-hmm. Kind of always asking that, you know, it's, it's really easy for people to complain and bring you a problem. But, you know, at the end of the day, when somebody brings me a solution, that's when I start seeing their leadership abilities. And so I really I really believe in that. I mean, I believe in leadership training because it gives us a good basis. But I think everything you do is through the filter of your your life lens and your own core values. So, yep, I totally agree with that. And have you ever worked for an incredible leader, someone that you, you know, really look up to? Randy started this podcast by talking about you as someone who's very influential in his life and that he sees as a, an example of a great leader. Have you had anybody in your life that way? Yeah, I mean, I think there there are two of them. The one, am I allowed to say names or am I not allowed to say on names? A po- yeah, absolutely. You can. You want to say names, yeah. I think on the, for posi- good. On, the, on the positive side, um, Randy knows this person pretty well, too. They're, uh, the senior vice president of television for uh, scripts, Brian Lawler, has really been influential in my career. This gentleman was the general manager of uh, our number one station in West Palm Beach before he ascended to the role that he's in now. He's been the head of sales for all of Scripps. Um, I really find him a visionary. He's one of those people, every time he speaks, he's very intentional about the words he chooses, but it's not it's, it's not like um, somebody that's reading a script. As a matter of fact, I've never seen him hold a piece of paper when he's given his speeches before. I don't know if you have, Randy, but I, I, I never have. But, but he's very inspirational, and he's a guy that likes to take risks. And I feel like you know, I've watched him develop over his career because I've worked in the company since you know, 2000, um, 2003. 
and I've seen him take risks. And I think just by him taking risks makes us all willing to take risks, knowing that we're not going to get fired because we make a mistake. You know, matter of fact, um, Rich Bainey, who's his boss, always says, you know what, I probably, you know, I've lost a billion dollars for the company, but I've probably gained, made six million more. So that just goes to show you it does cost something, right? But you can still make a lot more when you take that risk. So, yeah. But Brian's probably one of the most influential people. He probably doesn't even know it, but he's probably one of the most influential people to me. Hmm. I did think when I worked at the TV station in Tulsa, it was hard to really see the senior leadership. Um, they would come by every once in a while, but to really feel the, the vision of Scripps. And then I joined a national TV show that Scripps started, and that was kind of an experiment. They were trying to take on a time slot they'd never taken on before. And Rich and Brian both came and talked to us specifically and said, how are you guys seeing this going? What type of things are you working on? How is this working for you? And they were very personable. And it, it kind of struck me because they were, you know, the head of like a really big company. And they were like, you know, we're trying this out, too. We don't know how it's going to work exactly. And we want your input. We value you. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when you work for a good company and you work for a good leader, it makes you want to do better quality work, you know. And um, I think that's why what you're doing is so important. I think people need need to know that. And I also think people need to know, too, if they're not in a situation of good leadership, just because they don't have the title, they can be leaders themselves. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's really important. How about the flip side? Have you ever been around, worked for, associated with someone who was the opposite of what we've been talking about? Yeah, I mean, I, I have. And I would tell you, I think those people shaped me just as much. I always tell you know people, you know, when they ask how I got to where I am, I said, you know what? I work for a lot of bad, uh-uh, you know, um, you know, I don't want to use the position because I think people would probably figure out who they who they were. But um, but, you know, being observant wherever you are and whatever you do and seeing how people do the right things and seeing how people do the wrong things. And did they learn from their mistake? Hmm. I mean, that's that's the thing. Even a bad leader can learn from their mistake and you can see how they react to it. And so I experienced that quite a bit. We, we had a lack of leadership in one of the stations I was at at one time and it, it really it really hurt us. And when we hired um, uh, a little bit better of a leader, everybody kind of followed them and the other leader kind of just kind of got pushed off to the side. And then in, in these positions, sometimes you just kind of disappear. Yeah. <laughs> it just happens, you know? <laughs> Well, I guess what happened. on this podcast, we were, we're really trying to dive down and identify the common characteristics of wildly successful leaders and also the flip side, the common characteristics that keep popping up over and over again in leaders that are not effective. You know, vision, trust, communication, all of these skill sets, uh, sometimes people just never catch on to them. And they I think that one of one of the things that is is interesting to me is that one thing I do believe in is a set of uh, strong core values, whether they're personal core values or your company's core values. You know, Scripps' core values are compassion, courage, excellence, fairness, integrity, and respect. And I always tell people when, you know, when I interview them, I actually give them the card. Um, I said, you know, you may love this television station and I may love you and you still may be a bad fit. But if, if we all agree on the core values that you need to work and live by, I think we're going to be okay. Yeah. You know, and sometimes you don't hire talent, right? You actually hire potential and you hire somebody with a good set of core values. I do think that that's one thing all good leaders have is I think they have a set of core values no matter what they are. And you can look them up online. I mean, 
you don't have to use the ones that I just gave you. Um, there's plenty of great ones out there, but uh, I think living by those. When I went from a a doer a doer position to more of a managerial leadership position, you need something to work off of. Yeah. And, and these really work for me. Well, and those are great examples. So let me ask you a question. I'm going to put you on the spot here. I'm doing a little bit of a research project right now. So if you had two equally competent employees, okay, they're equally competent, but due to downsizing, layoffs, whatever the case might be, you have to choose one over the other. What would be the characteristics or what, what would it be that you would choose employee A over employee B? Well, the first thing is potential. I mean, what I don't want is somebody that comes in and does their job every day. That's the I bare want, minimum. I want somebody that brings things to the attention of somebody and will bring me a solution. I, I mentioned that earlier, mm-hmm. but I'm very, very solutions-based it is so easy to get caught up in rumor and gossip and people like that. But the people that achieve and are better employees are the ones that don't get caught up in it and actually bring you a solution to a problem. And I will always look for that person because I feel like they have the most potential. Yeah. So you can work with them and groom them and, and turn them into, a, into an effective employee at a minimum and then move up into a leadership role. Yeah. And that's where trust really comes in mind too. It went, once they trust you and you know that you're doing the right thing. I mean, I, I also think a lot of times we make the mistake of hiring people that are like us. And in, in reality, I think we probably ought to hire people that are not like us. And I don't mean they're bad people. I just mean that they have different points of view and you have to be able to listen to those different points of view. So, and if you get somebody in your office and like you said, they're very competent in the skill set, but one of them's a good listener and one of them's not. That's another characteristic that I would tell you. Somebody that can listen without talking is is pretty good. I, you know, I mean, I'm doing a lot of talking now. But, well, but we're I, interviewing you. You're supposed to. I know, I know but to. I mean, I think being a good listener is a, is a, is a, huge, a huge benefit. Yeah. I would say something to, to the hiring aspect. So this is a little personal story. So I was coming out of the Navy. Um, I was looking for a job in the civilian world. I had... Uh, you know, five years of actually news experience, but it was military news experience and I had no college degree. And I went to every station in town and nobody even talked to me. And better yet, I, when, I, when I inquired why, most of them said, you don't have a college degree. You know, we want photographers with college degrees. And I said, okay, I understand that. And I remember meeting with Steve and the first thing he wanted to look at was my demo reel. He wanted to see my work. So for him, the proof was in, can he do this job? Um, can he show that? And, you know, I feel in my own mind that, you know, traveling the world and covering stories is going to be a better use of my time than a college degree at that point. I I see the value of a college degree. But I think, Steve, I think you look at the talent or the potential of somebody and don't get stuck on the qualifications. Yeah. I I mean, in some in some cases, I think college is a little bit overblown. You know, I'm not dissing going to school because I got a great education at the University of Florida and we had great facilities there. And that's where I learned my craft, Mm -hmm. you know, but you really don't know what you're up against until you get into the real world. I mean, which is why I tell people now to get, you know, to get experience and try to get an internship and try to get an internship that actually lets you do things. And I know in in our company, we actually pay for those internships now where in the past, you know, we would grab as many as we can to do the work and not pay them. That's the past, right? Yep. Now it's like we pay people for internships because they're doing they're doing real work. And um, I think it's really important to have those the, those experiences. I will tell you, the reason why I thought of y- you, Randy, like that was because 
when I worked in Baltimore, I worked with a, um, a guy that was in the guard and he was our sports producer. I always thought and he didn't have a college degree and I, th- I and but he was one of the smartest guys that I had ever met. He knew more about sports than anybody and I really enjoyed working with him. I knew the discipline that it takes when you're in the military. I know how hard it is to shoot video when you're in Saudi Arabia and it's 110 degrees and your camera's <laughs> breaking, you know? I've heard those stories before and I don't think you and I even talked about that, but it's a very not only is it a physically demanding job, but it's a mentally challenging job as well because you're not near your loved ones. And I, I, have, I always have uh, utmost respect for that, just like I have respect for kids that call me that are in high school that edit Final Cut Pro right now. I challenge people here in Cleveland, I'm like, we got to give them a chance. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> Maybe, you know what? They probably know Final Cut Pro X better than most most people now, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. Well, there's, there's more and more research backing up the fact that formalized education as we know it is possibly teaching some of the things that don't translate into the real world. And so getting a college education helps. It, it, it can never hurt to have your education. But the real learning starts when you get your job. And, and they say, okay, the emotional intelligence side of what you do every day trumps your IQ. You know, how how much you know? I, I do tell you there, there are two things. Well, maybe one thing. I do wish I knew more. I guess I would. I didn't know what I didn't know back then. Mm-hmm. I probably and I did very well in college, but I probably should have taken different classes. You know, I probably should have done a couple of things differently. Maybe put myself in more uncomfortable positions instead of trying to get grades. Sure. Um, you know, taking some things that I shouldn't have. In some ways I did and in a lot of ways that I didn't. And not that I have any regrets, but I'm one of the only general managers that I know that doesn't have an MBA. Yet, you know, when I was in college, I took accounting one and two and I'm using those skills that I learned now. And I don't feel like I need the MBA now. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I need it. And maybe I do, but I'm very successful without it. But you know what? I probably should have gotten it back then when I had the opportunity to, yeah. you know. So I do regret a little bit that I that I didn't do that. But you know what? I enjoyed shooting videos so much and telling people stories, uh, you know. <laughs> well, let me shift the conversation just a little bit. So you're now in a leadership role in an industry that is being uh, bombarded with change. There's probably been a lot of change in your industry over a period of time. So as a leader and seeing the changes in the world and technology and everything else, how are you able to deal with that change and also translate that to your team and the people to work with you and everything else? You know, I think you have to be uh, receptive to everything that's out there right now. I mean, I, I will tell you, uh, I do read a lot of trade magazines. Mm-hmm. I try to stay up on the trends. You know, the, the gentleman before Brian, who we talked about, we have a very, I think, a very strong structure in our organization. Um, we have meetings, you know, we have phone calls and we talk about the trends. There are people that are a lot smarter than I am. There are even higher levels than I am right now that I listen to. Uh, I do follow Twitter quite a bit. Um, to look and see what the what the latest is, I think it's a really good opportunity for me to just see. You know, I get to see the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, the guys on Shark Tank, what they're doing. You know, um, I, I follow them and I read them quite a bit. So change is what we're about. They hired me to be a change change agent. So you're never going to get a guy like me saying you know, you can't change. I think life, honestly, is about being a little uncomfortable all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know many people that really have it all going on. And if they do, they're posting it on Facebook and you're looking at it saying, that's not really true. Yeah. They're not happy. <laughs> you know? 
I think people overcompensate sometimes for their, their happiness on Facebook, right? For my purposes, I think it's just being a little bit uncomfortable makes change come a lot easier. Yeah, I heard a quote one time that says, once you accept the fact that life is hard, it actually becomes easier. It's the people that think that life should be easy all the time that it seems like they struggle. And it's that constant give and take. So so what's next for you? What In your current role right now, what are you working on and, and what do you see building or, or doing in the future? I've got my 5,000 foot plan and I've got, probably got my 35, 40,000 foot plan for this television station. You know, the 35 to 40,000 foot plan is how do we integrate what we're doing digitally with what we're doing on television and how do we make a difference in our community, in our communities at the same time. Okay. Um, you know, we have, when you have the pulpit that we have in journalism, you know, we have a lot of eyeballs on us and how do we take all of the branding and marketing that we need to do in the digital side of the broadcast side and how do we become the number one news viewing source in town? Don't know the answer to that, right? You know, I kind of look at things like, um, the television station is just getting to do the best job we can for the folks in our community. And I think it's a pretty, I think it's pretty simple. Most businesses have, you know, stress and time management issues, but I I feel like those issues especially are compounded in a news environment. How do you manage people that are working crazy amounts of hours, um, having to change what they're doing at the last second? uh, And, you know, how do you get a large group of people around something like when there's a breaking news event? That's actually the least of our problem, right? I think breaking news is something we do, do in television very, very well. I think breaking news energizes people and brings your, your, your adrenaline up. But I think it really goes back to the beginning. It's hiring really good people. I think if we go back to the hiring of really good people and we get everybody on the same page on the team and we're all living with the same set of core values – it makes it a little bit easier. The bigger challenge is, is the people that have worked at the station maybe for 25, 30, 35 years, how do we get them to change their attitudes? And they remember a day when they were number one. And so asking them what they can do to help bring us to that again is really kind of the, the approach that we take. Everybody that works here really bring something to the table, but we have to find out what that is. And I really like to know from them what that is so that we can help move them forward. Just because you're a little bit older and a little bit slower doesn't make you any less smart. And, you know, it's kind of like an NFL football player. There's a middle linebacker that might be 35 years old who knows all the plays and knows where the guy's going to go because he watches film all the time. And you got the young guy that can maybe run him down. Well, having those two players playing together can be a benefit to the organization and not a liability. And I kind of look at it the same way. I mean, I really, you know, I really value people that have a lot of experience, but I also value the people that are that are willing to take chances and then work with those folks as well. I was always looking for people to help hone my craft when I was at KJRH. And there were people there that had been there for maybe 10 years or so, and they were already kind of jaded and, and uh, you know, felt like they were entitled to something. And then there's a, a mutual coworker we had, JT, who had been there at, when I was there 25 years already, and I think he's, he's still there, so he's got to be going on 35 years. Um, and I, every day he would still put together something innovative. I'd, I'd watch his stuff and I'd say, that's a really interesting um, camera shot. That's a really interesting sequence he did. Um, you know, the video is gorgeous. And he's the last person to complain and the first person to say, sure, this is change. I'll try that. And that was inspiring to me because I know as, as a younger person in the newsroom, I need to be accepting of change and I need to do whatever is asked of me. But to see the 
the most senior photographer out there running and gunning and putting together awesome work every day was a true inspiration. Well, it's interesting you should say that because I think he was one of the, the unnamed leaders in that newsroom. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody like that that has stayed there all that time. And it's not even leading by example, right? It's just that every reporter wanted to work with JT. I remember right. that. You know, can I work with JT today? Can I work with JT today? No, JT needs to do a satellite shot. <laughs> you know, and so, I mean, it was kind of funny. And, you know, and he was very aware of it. And he knew what his role was, too. Mm-hmm. Um, he was really a calming influence when a lot of things were going wrong. And, you know, I like you. I have a, a utmost respect for him. And I, and I would tell you, I learned a lot from him also. Well, in our parting thank yous, I will tell you that I'm, I have a newfound love for Cleveland because... A number of Baylor Bears were recruited to play in Cleveland. You have RG3 this year. You have Corey Coleman, uh, best receiver uh, in the NFL draft, is headed your way. We have a couple other Baylor players that are headed up there this year. So I'm going to be a Browns fan uh, uh, this year. I'm going to follow, and hopefully you all have an incredibly good year, only second to the Cowboys. So <laughs> that's, that's well, that's all right. They're in, di- they're in different conferences. So I think right. we can make that work. Okay. <laughs> well, Steve, thank you so much. A lot of insight. Really appreciate it. I know you had to carve out some of your day to do this interview with us. And, and I can't thank you enough. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you guys. The High Performance Leadership Podcast is also sponsored by Principles of High Performance Leadership, the book by Chip Wilson. The first 100 people to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast get the book for free. That's right, free book. Go to 360solutions.com for more information. Thanks for listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Make sure and subscribe via iTunes, give us a rating, and leave us a review. Tell everyone you know to do the same thing. The more subscriptions, ratings, and reviews we get, the higher iTunes rates us. Visit our website at hpleadershippodcast.com Tweeted us at twitter.com slash 360 underscore solutions and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 360 solutions LLC. That's all together, no spaces. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.